church. We believe in the importance of being real. We really do. We believe in the value of being real before God and the value of being real with one another. And that's why we've got that sign over there that says that Sunday masks and facades are not required. Well, there was a little bit of a season where Sunday masks were required. And it was funny during the pandemic how so many of you took selfies by that sign over there wearing your mask on Sunday morning. Those were really funny pictures. But what we mean by this is like God already knows what's going on in here. We don't have to pretend. And we all know that none of us are perfect. So why do we pretend? We all know that we struggle with something in our faith journey. So why do we act like we're not struggling? Right? And so the question I want to ask you is this, and this is a simple question. How many of you have ever found the Bible hard to understand? Show of hands. Every age group, every category. We've got little kids raising their hands. We've got some gray-haired people like me raising their hands. Right? Really high. I want to see. I want to see. Yeah, right? The Bible sometimes is hard to understand. And it could be, well, is this like something that's like I'm supposed to do for the rest of my life? And, or is this just describing what happened? Is this like poetry? Is this like a scientific journal? Is this like, what is like all of this? And sometimes it's really challenging to put the story of the Bible together. And, and, and that's the way I grew up. Like I grew up in a pretty strict religious school where we always had a Bible nearby, but it was actually used for punishment. We used the Bible to punish children. Like when you were bad, you had to sit in a corner and literally write out a page of the Bible in a, on a sheet of paper. The Bible was punishment. So we, as like the really good, well-behaved children that we were, and do not do this, kids. This is an example of how Pastor Kevin was a horrible kid. We would literally rip out the page of the Bible, throw it in the trash, go, oh, sister, I don't have that page in my Bible. I can't copy it. <laughs> we're monsters. We were just monsters back then. But we were using the Word of God. Instead of helping us to understand it, we used it as punishment. And then not only that, so then as I got a little bit older, and, you know, starting, you know, that preteen kind of age, and I had tons of, as a preteen, I had tons of questions about the Bible and about God. And I would go and ask my questions. And you know what the answer was? Who are you to question the Lord? Someone who's trying to understand the Lord. Like, that's who I am. And it's like, you don't ask questions here. You just be quiet and do what we tell you. And that's why we believe as a church that the church should be the safest place in the world to ask any question that we have about God. Because it's not always easy to understand. So what I'm going to attempt to do, and I realize this is an attempt. I was having nightmares about this last night because I don't do kids ministry. I love your children. I really do. I pray for your families all the time, but I don't do children's ministry. When I was originally thinking of going into ministry, my church in Montreal hired me as the kids pastor, and they sent me into the room, and we learned really fast we need to get Kevin out of this room. And the reason we need to get Kevin out of this room is because Kevin wires your kids up like crazy and then hands them back to you. And it just made every family mad. So we don't want to do that this morning. But what I want to do this morning is make the Bible very, very, very clear. And I'm hoping that we can do this in such a way that Romans chapter 6 is so clear 
that if you're five years old, you'll understand it. Or if you're 105 years old, you'll understand it. And I realize that's a huge claim. And I'm going to do this by stealing something that another pastor taught me. Okay? And I actually have his permission to steal this. Danielle and I, we're doing this thing in our own personal uh, spiritual renewal this year. We're going away for like a weekend retreat once a month just to get poured into, to hear from God, uh, to be blessed, and to just kind of, we are personally regrouping, refocusing, and relaunching our own spiritual journey just like we are as a church. And so I learned this from the pastor who was teaching this. I said, dude, I'm ripping that off. And he's like, dude, rip it off because it's not mine. It's your Bible, (laughs) right? And so I'm going to try to attempt to do this in a way that explains Romans chapter 6 in a way that we can all walk out of here fully understanding what the apostle is writing. Now, again, Romans chapter 6, Paul the apostle is writing to the most sophisticated city in the world at that time. It's the first city on planet Earth to ever reach a million people living there. Now, today that sounds like nothing because Ottawa has a million people now, but it was the first city in human history to reach a million people. It was this very advanced civilization. They had tons of different ways to worship, belief in so many different gods, different forms of worship. There there was like philosophy and these different ways to view the world and to think about the world and to think about humanity and humanity's place in the world. There were social justice tensions. There were race issues. There were marginalized people. There was corruption at every level, business, government, religion. Kind of sounds exactly like Ottawa, right? That's why I kind of say humanity, if we were going to solve humanity's problems on our own, we would have done it by now. But we're still the same deep down in our hearts, right? It's a human problem. And so Rome, this most sophisticated city, this is what Paul's writing to. So he's writing to sophisticated, educated people, which is why sometimes his writing is a little complicated because I might not be as sophisticated and educated (laughs) as what the audience is here. And it can get a little tricky. So let me read for you first, Romans chapter six, we're going to just read 14 verses. You'll see how this can be a little tricky to understand. And then I'm going to use the kids to break this down so we can all understand it better. Okay, so Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 6. Sorry, starting in verse 1. Not 6, 1. So what shall we say then? So he's just been talking about, you know, death of, you know, that all the humanity received death because of Adam's sin. Life is available to us from Jesus. So what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? So he's saying, when we got the law, the law of Moses showed us that we're sinners, showed us how bad we are. And the point of that was to show us, oh my goodness, thanks be to God for his grace. And there was this argument in the church. We'll go, well, maybe we should just keep on sinning. So we should just keep on sinning so we can just show God being greater and greater and greater. (laughs) Right? And a little part of us in our humanity says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea that I don't have to feel guilty. I can just keep doing whatever I want, and the grace of God is just going to be shown more and more because Jesus loves me, this I know, because the Bible told me so, and I'll be forgiven for everything. 
right? And Paul says, no, 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 by no means. Those who have died to sin, how can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And so we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ raised from the dead, so just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may be raised to new life. This is why when we do baptism we hear, here, we, that's why we do it by immersion, fully dunking under the water. That this death to ourselves, going into the water is like the tomb. And then coming out of the water, a new creation. This is like that baptism is this symbol of what Paul is talking about, what is happening spiritually in the life of the church. Continues in verse 5, says, For if we have been united with him, being Jesus, in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over us. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. A lot of words in here, a lot of big words in here, death, life, resurrection. Some of your translations might be using words like abiding and things like that, you know, abiding in Christ. And and it can get confusing because you could just read the words here and say, I'm free from the power of sin and death. Therefore, I should not sin. And it is kind of what Paul's saying. But we keep on sinning. Again, just in that being real, how many of you sinned this week? Okay, there's some hands going up. Those of you who didn't, come mentor me, please. (laughs) Okay. You didn't have any anger. You didn't have any jealousy, you didn't have any greed, you didn't lie, you weren't dishonest. <laughs> hands again? I really want this to be everyone's hands, because if it's, you know, it's, it's just, we're being real, right? Well, so you're all like terrible Christians. Is that what Paul's saying? Well, for so long in the church, that's how we ran things that we actually were not very forgiving of people who sin. 
We don't, we're not very loving to people who don't have their act together as well as we do. And we have generations of people who have walked away from the teachings of Jesus, not because of the message of Jesus, because of the way the church has handled sin. Because it's messy. It's, it's complicated. So, so what I want to do is to help us understand Romans chapter 6 better, I think what we need to do is we need to understand the idea of sin and death and alive in Christ better. So to understand Romans chapter 6, you need to understand the big picture of the Bible. So I'm going to attempt to do this again. So kids, if your parents have given you permission to come, I want you to raise your hand. So I'm going to bring you up slowly one at a time because I need, I'm going to need about five kids. And this is kid zone kids. Put your hand down, Abijah. Okay. I need like kid zone kids. And if you really don't want to do it, I'll work my way up the ladder. We'll hit fusion kids. And then, you know, then, then Abijah. Okay. Over there. But, okay. So I need one kid. Okay. Kid zone kid. Who's allowed to come up? Okay. Way in the back, right there. Yeah, you. Yeah, little girl. Come on. And I'm and I, terrible with everybody's name. Shut out your name. Brooke. Come on up, Brooke. You can give Brooke a hand. So come on over here, Brooke. You're going to stand right here. Okay, stand right here. Okay, Brooke, you're going to, you're God. Okay, no pressure. No pressure at all. I did think you'd be taller. Okay, but okay, you're God. So you're representing God in this illustration here. Okay, and your parents are going, of course she is. Because Brooke's amazing. I'm going to give you a couple of things here, Brooke. Okay, first of all, I want this back. Okay, so I'm going to give you money. Okay, this money represents power. Okay, because if you got money, you got power. Okay, so that's just representing power. All right. And then I'm also going to give you the keys to my car. Okay. Now I drive a piece of junk. Okay. So don't worry about that. And the keys represent authority. Okay. And so God, we learn from the word of God. We learn from the Bible that God has authority and power. Right. Genesis chapter one. God spoke and he creates. He creates through his power, and he creates through his authority. Okay, so that's who God is. Now, Genesis goes through a few days, and so God uses power and authority to create the heavens and the earth, to create the sea and the land, the light and the darkness, the animals, the fish, and then humanity. But there's actually something else that God did in between that. In that Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, when God created the heavens and the earth, he actually created the heavenly beings in that moment that we can read about in the Old Testament in places like Ezekiel. So I need another volunteer now. Another volunteer. Okay, another volunteer. Who am I going to, okay, who am I going to pick on here? Okay, yeah, you little guy, you can come on up. Okay. Oh, sorry. Not yet. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Come on in. Shut up. What's your name? Sorry. Cole. Comb. Tome. Thank you. I'm terrible. I'm so sorry, buddy. Okay. So now you're here. Okay. And so you're an angel. Okay. Wait a minute. It gets bad. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. 
So you're this angel, you're this heavenly being that God created, okay? And God gives you power, and God gives you authority, my junky car, okay? Now, here's the thing, and here's a description of this angel that's created in Ezekiel. Where did I put my glasses? Here are my glasses. In Ezekiel chapter 28, says, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, and emerald, topaz, oxen, jasper, laspid, uh, luzuli, turquoise, beryl. Your setting and your mounting were made of gold. And on the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian cherub, for I ordained you. You were the, on the holy mount of God, and you walked among the fiery stones. This angel that's created in this, when the heavens were created, was named Lucifer. Sorry, you're the bad guy in the story. Okay, you all right with being the bad guy? I, I know that's not, you're not normally the bad guy at home, so that's okay, okay? So we have Lucifer, who has been given power and has been given authority from God, right? And then we learn what happens to Lucifer in Ezekiel 28, verse 17. The most beautiful of the heavenly beings. The most beautiful of the heavenly beings, it says in verse 17 of Ezekiel 28, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. And you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. And so I threw you to the earth. So you literally threw him, okay? Like he was supposed to be here, and then you threw him over here, but I forgot to do that part. Okay. And then what God did at that moment, and Jesus actually writes, says that in Luke's gospel, that he saw Lucifer cast out of heaven. And what happened here is God took back his authority. No, yeah, his uh, authority. Yes, authority. Power, authority. Power, authority. Took back his authority. But Lucifer still has power because of the heavenly being that he is. And now he walks among the earth that's just been created. And then God does another thing as Genesis continues, and God creates humanity in his likeness. So I need two more volunteers, boy, girl. Okay, girl. Jasmine, okay, come on over here. We got girl, boy, way in the back. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, you can applaud them. I know this is so nerve-wracking here. So your name again is? Nico and Jazz. Jasmine? Jasmine. There we go. Awesome. So what I want you to do is you two are going to link arms. Just link arms like this. Okay. Adam and Eve. Okay. Created by God. In the image and likeness of God, God created them, male and female. Okay? And then you guys are going to link arms to God. Okay? Because you're walking close with God. Right? And God says these words when he creates humanity. In Genesis 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock, all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move among the ground. 
What God does here with humanity is God gives them authority. So give the authority now to Adam and Eve. Okay? Now, you, now humanity has authority. But there's this guy here, the bad guy of the story, right? You got this Lucifer who's walking around the garden. And he shows up. He comes to Adam and Eve waving the money. So wave the money at them. Okay? Saying, wouldn't you love to have power? And he says, if you would eat this forbidden fruit, the one command God gave, one, one. He had one rule in all of paradise. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Lucifer tempts Adam and Eve to be like God. Lucifer, this is the deceitfulness of Lucifer. Because he's got a lot of power. He's very smart. He knows the human heart. And he tempts them with something they already have. You've got to keep hanging on to arms here because you guys are close. Okay? They're already created in the, they are already like God. They're already like God. They don't need anything else to make them like God. They're already created in the image and likeness of God. They're already walking close with God. And Lucifer tempts them with, do this and you will be like God. And so what happens is, so they come and they come wandering over here. And this gets broken. That gets broken there. And instead of them giving this authority, uh, sorry, instead of Lucifer giving power to them, what do they actually do? They give authority back to him. And then they now link arms here. This is what you and I have been born into. <laughs> okay? This, when the Bible talks about this death that happened, this severing of the relationship, okay, this is what we did. We gave, we gave our authority back to our spiritual enemy. And the Bible talks about how our spiritual enemy is the prince of the air. This is why when Lucifer, again, I thought you would be taller too, okay? But when Lucifer tempts Jesus, he says, if you follow and worship me, I will give you all authority over the world. Because he has it right now. And so here's God trying to get them to come back, but there's no rules, there's no religion, there's no tradition that they can keep that will break this and so then god sets apart sets out his plan that he started right from genesis and then sends his son i need one last volunteer no if he's hiding he's not doing it <laughs> that's the kind of a sign okay right here okay who annie okay come on up annie okay so annie you're here okay so annie you're jesus Okay, you should have a beard, but that's okay. I didn't bring a magic marker to draw a beard on, all right? Okay, and you and the Father are close. And so God sends Jesus to earth. So you come, just step a little bit closer, okay? You're right here, and you teach about the kingdom of God. You show your miracles to the world. You have your signs and your wonders, and then you go to the cross. That's why we took communion together this morning, to remember that act of sacrifice. And when Jesus 
rose from the dead. The Bible teaches us that this power goes there. This authority goes there. Okay? Yeah, you have all the power and you have all the authority. Okay? That's what Jesus has. And we read about that here in uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so therefore God exalted him to the highest place, authority and power, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Full power, full authority, back in the hands of God. But humanity's still over here. As the descendants of Adam and Eve, we're still born into this relationship. And what Romans chapter 6 is telling us is that this was broken when Jesus died and rose again. But we need to reposture ourselves, just move a little bit closer to Jesus, and now link arms with Jesus. Okay? That's what repentance is. When you turn, I'm sorry, you're losing all your friends, right? Okay, that's okay. (laughs) As we repent, as we turn from this bondage of sin and of death, we... We don't receive our own power and our own authority. What we have is Jesus' power and Jesus' authority. When the Bible says that we were dead, it's because we were linked here. And we are spiritually dead. Our bodies are dying. We're all going to end up in the grave one day. Not you guys. You guys are awesome. Okay. (laughs) But this is the picture that's happening here, right? Is that fully, fully alive. God's authority, God's power back in the hands where it was supposed to be since Genesis chapter one, completely set free. Awesome. Thank you for your help. Did you guys understand that? Did that make sense? Yeah, okay, can I have my money back? Awesome, okay. You can keep the car. No, I'm just kidding. I need the car too. Awesome, you guys can sit back down. Big hand. Thank you. Okay. I'm like sweating. That's why, you know, work with children and animals. It's like, oh boy, okay. Now, that picture in your mind, let's look again at Romans chapter 6. When you look at Romans chapter 6, you need that visual. When the Bible says that you are fully alive, this is what it means, is that you are fully connected to the power and the authority of God Almighty. So why would you ever want to live over here? Well, because we still have this flesh, And we're going to talk about that more in this series. There is this flesh that still pulls towards sin because we're still not resurrected yet. Like sometimes that's why we, we, when we deal with these tensions that Christians shouldn't sin ever, ever again, 
or that you are fully, fully healed and you should never, ever, ever get sick. That's what we call an overdeveloped ecclesiology. It's taking the end of the story and saying the end of the story is right now. And it is right now, but not yet. So there is still this pull. And so this position that we are in Christ has to be foundational of everything that we do in our lives. Why would you ever want to be dishonest at work? Why would you ever want to talk bad about your spouse to another person? When, When did we think it was funny to make jokes about our husbands and our wives? Why are we entertained by watching the slaughter of people created in the image and likeness of God? There's this tension. And, and, and we have to look at this posture of being fully, fully alive in Christ. That we are truly set free from sin and death. That relationship there is severed. It's broken. It's gone. And we begin a discipleship journey of becoming more and more like Jesus as we trust the Holy Spirit in us. This being fully alive that Romans 6 talks about comes from that turning from sin and constantly, constantly. The the relationship that you and I have with Jesus, it's an everyday relationship of praising God every day, of thanking God every day, of confessing our sins every day, of asking for forgiveness every day of giving forgiveness to people who sin against us every day. (laughs) And we become strengthened and encouraged and built up in that power of God. And so as you reread this, I'm not going to, for the sake of time, I'm not going to reread Romans 6 right now. But I want you to reread Romans 6 this week with that picture of these awesome kids that helped me out today. Think of that picture. And when you read Romans 6, ask yourself, where am I in the picture? There might be some of you who, you and you might be watching online, or you might even be in the room here with us today, that you would say, you know what? I've actually never turned from sin and turned to Jesus. I'm still linked arms over here. And you could have that relationship severed instantly and forever. By just saying, Father, forgive me, a sinner. Come into my life. Make me new. And if you ask for that forgiveness, the Bible is very clear that you receive it. And then you become instantly connected to God the Son. If you do that online, a pop-up shows up. You can click that. If you do that here in person, tell me in the cafe afterwards that you did that, that that relationship was severed today. And if you have been connected with Jesus, whether for a week or whether for decades, ask yourself, where am I okay with sin? Because if we were real, as our core value is, you may have sin that you're okay with. I like it. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel important. It's helped me in my career. It's helped me with my popularity at school, whatever that might be for you. And maybe, just maybe, God's going to do some prompting in your heart this week. 
say, why would I ever want to be connected to that? Why would I ever want my identity to come from that death and sin? And so the prayer for you this week might be, Father God, I am free from that. I don't want to give that any more time, any more attention. The freedom that I have by being fully alive in Christ, I'm claiming this in my life. Make it real. Change me from the inside out. And then maybe others of us, maybe we're doing okay right now in our faith journey. A walk with Jesus is good. Our relationship with God is good. But you're kind of wondering what's next for you, right? I actually talk to a lot of Christians who feel they get a little stuck spiritually. And I think one of the reasons we get stuck spiritually is because we stop challenging ourselves to grow. The relationship's good. I'm not really dealing with major sins in my life. My my relationships with people around me are good. I think a lot of times we as Christians, we need to kind of step out a little bit more in faith and say, okay, God, let's not settle for comfort. And maybe, God, you can use me to help other people who are still stuck. Maybe, God, you want to use the blessings that I have, whether they're time blessings, financial blessings, spiritual gifts, blessings, whatever God has blessed you with. Maybe it's time to get a little out of the comfort zone and say, God, take my blessing and use it to bless even more people. You know, my daughter who's in Hawaii getting trained for like the missions work, and I'm so grateful for your prayers for her. She posted something on Instagram yesterday about if you've seen on social media kind of this move of God that's happening at this university church down in the United States. Like there's this massive revival happening at this church. Like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids and university students are giving their lives to Jesus. It's just this amazing move of God that's happening. And people are going down there and they're checking it out and they want to put it in a checkbox. They want to figure this thing out. And does it fit my box understanding of God? And my daughter, my 19-year-old daughter put on Instagram yesterday and it wrecked me when she put it. said the same Holy Spirit that's doing a revival there is the same Holy Spirit in you. Revival is revival is revival. Sometimes it starts with us as Christians saying, God, break me of my comfort. Break me of my comfort. I am so blessed. (laughs) Help me to give just a little bit back so that I can be a blessing to others. (laughs) See, when we get that picture of being fully alive in Christ, of, again, that sacrifice that God did, again, to be fully alive in Jesus, it cost something. It cost the blood of Jesus on the cross. (laughs) It cost three days of the son being separated from God the Father in death. But we praise God that it didn't cost you and me anything. And we're fully alive. Fully alive in Christ. Now let's live that way. Not being tempted by the lies over here, the deceit over over here, the pull towards sin. Let's use like the words of Paul where he says in verse 2 of Romans chapter 6, when that pull comes, our response is by no means. No, thank you. I'll pass. It's not happening. It's the Kevin paraphrase. By no means. I'm going to live here 
in this relationship of being alive in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, I praise you that we have died to our sin. And I praise you that we have been raised to new life in Christ. And Father God, I pray as we live in the tension of the kingdom of God fully here, but not yet. We understand that there is this tension and this pullback towards sin that we have been saved from. And so, Father God, I ask for your forgiveness when I have given in to that pull. I, thank, I, I praise you, God, and I ask for your forgiveness when I've hurt others because of that pull. Father God, I pray for their forgiveness. God, I pray that I would forgive those who they were pulled towards sin and hurt me that I would forgive them. And Father God, in this position that we are in as fully alive in Christ, God, I pray that all of us, men, women, boys and girls, when the temptation comes, we would all say, by no means. That's not who I am. That's not how I will live. And that your spirit in us will equip us and empower us for your glory. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.